0: It's about, uh, just general audacity help, and this one mm-hmm. guy recommended at the at the top. There's a bar where you can monitor microphone levels, and he says a good level is between negative 12 and negative six. That's kind of a kind of a good level to be at.
1: <laughs> Would you believe you've done more research into audacity editing than I ever have? <laughs> I've never watched a video.
0: <laughs> well, it was about. Two and a half minutes long, so it wasn't uh, wait, how
1: do you know if it was a good video? Because YouTube took the dislike system. It could have a million dislikes, you would never know.
0: That's true. What's odd about that is they still have the dislike button. So Yeah, what's why even the bother? Why yeah. do you have either button? Yeah, if You less. can't see how many there are. Will, yeah, what's the point? <laughs> but yeah. No, it it had some tips, but it didn't really help me with my problem, so <laughs> but it had some other stuff like uh apparently you can even use, you can use audacity to put uh a music bed underneath your audio which I didn't know I thought that was pretty cool to learn
1: yeah but mixing is a nightmare because you don't want to have it too loud
0: yeah but you can uh, you can adjust it as well you can adjust the the bed sound level too and like you can you can just you can practice you can take audio samples and whatnot get it to where you want it to be
1: you can't see the grimacing face I'm making right now
0: I mean I'm not suggesting we do that
1: This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Loki Jarson. Here with me, once again, is my good friend, Joe Stizzy. Stizzy, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Loki. How are you doing? I'm excellent.
1: Uh, This is probably the fastest we've done a follow-up episode in a very long time. Because over this last month since we've last done a show, you've beaten, what, five games or something? You've just blown through a ton over the weekends.
0: Yeah, I've, I'm kind of surprising myself on how fast I'm going through these things. It's uh, it's it's amazing when you're not playing an MMO. How many other games you can you can get done?
1: You've taken a little break from Final Fantasy XIV, and you're like, oh my god, there are single player games.
0: Mm, I know it's. it's you amazing. can pause. Go, going back to my roots. <laughs> what have you been playing since we last chatted? Well, I think about. Not too long after we recorded our uh, our last show about a month ago, I ended up finishing up the Outer Wilds, um, and that was a good game. It, it Worlds, Outer Worlds, excuse me. The Wilds. <laughs> still, still doing that every now now and then. Well, they uh, they
1: released a game called The Outer Wilds, and it's about space exploration, kinda. And it's actually not bad. I played it on Game Pass, but it's a first person physics based thing. But it's called that. The name is just Justevel. They should have picked a different name. Yeah. Uh, whoever published Outer Worlds should have sued them. Private Division?
0: Uh, I can't remember. And they came around the same out around the same time as well, so that mm-hmm. added to the confusion. But it was good. It was good. It was it. We've talked before about it. It, it didn't really offer anything new that I hadn't played before mm-hmm. in an RPG, specifically Fallout or uh, Bethesda type game
1: specifically new vegas because it is made by obsidian the people who made new vegas
0: yes and i've always i've liked a lot of their games and i really really loved new vegas i but i've always thought it got a little more you know attention (laughs) on the internet but
1: i will forever sing the praises of alpha protocol but go on
0: yeah, no, you've all. I've heard that's kind of a hidden gem, and maybe one day I'll get into it. But Outer Worlds was good. It was. It. It. Uh, I liked the overall setting. I thought it had a lot of a lot more color than I expected. It, I felt mm. like they kind of wanted to f- differentiate with Fallout in that regard. Uh, at least with three in New Vegas, four had color. Uh, the graphics were decent i mean this is a 2018 game so i wasn't expecting as much you know that much Mm -hmm. and
1: the key key difference being if you're playing it on your playstation 5 it loads a shitload faster than it did years ago trust me on that
0: yeah yeah told me about that and that's um didn't really count on that but i'm glad i waited but uh (laughs) and it had a you know pretty in-depth progression system where you can micromanage all your skills, and they're broken up into categories, and I like that because I had already decided I wanted to be kind of a s- smooth-talking gunslinger, mm-hmm. and it was, it was good to be able to allocate all my points into just the skills I wanted.
1: Yeah, it is a hardcore RPG in terms of like stat management and gear repair and weight management and resistances and strengths.
0: Right, right, and the implementation of skills in social settings, like conversations Mm. and whatnot, and uh, there are skill checks throughout the game, and most of them are just kind of nice little bonuses, sort of, Mm. you can do things slightly different, the end goal is still the same, but it's nice to have. Every game
1: says you can play how you want, but this one gets pretty close.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you can if you're you know, melee build, you can usually intimidate most people, or if you're a science build, you can keep up with the nerds and do uh, hacking the computers and all that. And hmm. so that it's it's it, it is nice to have that sort of freedom. And the companions were okay, certainly uh, there. Yeah, they were certainly there. They were. It, <laughs> I it, they I don't think I wouldn't put them at the, obviously the levels like Bowerware Companions, or even Fallout, other Fallout game companions, but I think my favorite was probably Ellie, just because she was the funniest. She had an extremely dry sense of humor, and just a Mm. a don't-give-a-shit attitude, so that always created some uh, memorable... It
1: isn't isn't a cowboy Western in space, rather. But it, it kind of is in a little ways. You sort of you you your character isn't an outlaw, but you meet a lot of them. So that whole outlaw attitude will say she has certainly the vibes of the whole aesthetic they're going for.
0: Yeah, the game definitely does give off that vibe, especially with a lot of the sound pieces, soundtrack tracks will. Have a kind of a western style acoustic guitar riffs, mm. which were honestly my favorite. I really, I really like those. I uh, always expected a tumbleweed to be blowing in front of me every time I heard one. And you also get a robot companion as well, Sam. Uh, but he doesn't <laughs> really—you don't really interact with him too much. Uh, I think you maybe have two dialogue options, and one—one yeah. of, one of them is to tell him to shut off or something, but. He's funny, his in-combat dialogue is amusing. He's very reminiscent of Liberty Prime if he was just kind of thrown into a- he's, he's a cleaning
1: robot, so yeah. he's always about like fighting stains, but the stains are your enemies.
0: Yeah, I think my I think my comparison is he's Liberty Prime if he was made by Clorox. Yes. Yeah, he was uh, just one big ad campaign going around melting your enemies. Uh, combat was good in it. It was, it was kind of, it was similar to Fallout 4. It was solid. Guns felt like they had pretty good impact and all that. I didn't really, I didn't have a, like I said, I didn't have a melee build, so I couldn't really judge how the melee weapons felt, but I, I, the, what little I did use of them, they didn't feel as, as polished as the gunplay, which is expected, but.
1: Well, I think the key difference is I I nearly 100%ed this game. The only reason I didn't is because you'd have to be on the hardest difficulty, and I don't want to. But I did everything else in it. And the trade-off is, okay, with a gun, regardless of the kind of gun it is, you're uh, safer, sort of, because you can move around and, you know, not be in range of enemies who have guns, but you're less likely to hit. And with the big swords and the big melee weapons, it's like, you're going to hit him, but you're going to get hit too.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really glad I didn't go with a melee build when I went to. Uh, I, I'm blanking on the names, but it's the, it's the planet. It's it's the planet with the two factions that that used Monarch. to be friends. Monarch, that's it. Yeah, because it had, it's got a ton of just alien creatures running around, and they do a shit ton of damage to you if they get close mm-hmm. to you. So, yeah, when I went there, I thought, man, I'm so glad I did not go melee, because I, <laughs> I I probably would be stuck here for a while. I actually was stuck for a bit, but uh, I was able to go to the town, do some side quests, level up a bit, and uh, get some new weapons, and soon became overpowered, and then the rest of the game was just kind of no Yeah, take no that, problem. Bugs. <laughs> Damn, yeah. Damn you. Weird mantis spider things. Uh, overall, it was a... I, I liked it a lot. I It was... Like I said, it kind of was a ja- if I had to describe it it was kind of a Jack Volt Trades kind of game. I don't mm. think I'll remember one single thing being outstanding, but it had a lot of had a lot of good things.
1: Sometimes that's all you need, really. Not every game needs to be triple A banger.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I kinda I kinda liked how the story itself, even though it takes place within a huge I guess it's a galaxy. They just they keep calling it a colony, but it Kind of spans over a a solar system.
1: It's really like five planets that you actually visit.
0: Yeah, it's not a whole lot. Um, when you go, when you look at the the quote unquote world map, the galaxy map, there's a bunch of places, but you don't really go to them, or some of them are just one little area that take ten minutes to go through. So, mm-hmm. but I liked how just just kind of how insular the story was, it was basically you're just trying to save these other colonists that you're in that are in cryo-freeze, because this guy wakes you up to help him out, and that's pretty much it, and you do kind of, you do get tangled up in other bigger, bigger factions and uh, issues and all that, but...
1: There's not, like, a major crisis going on, like, in, say, Mass Effect or something?
0: What? Yeah, the, the quote-unquote crisis is that the 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 solar system the colony cannot support the inhabitants from Earth the, the they just can't grow any food I know but that that's not eat.
1: that's not going to happen like within the next week that's going to happen in a couple of years down the line and you're not going to be playing
0: that same story yeah that's why I put crisis in parentheses which is I see. you can't really do that <laughs> in a podcast but um, yeah that's basically yeah it's just trying to save the other colonists and you can do that or you can say fuck them drive them into the sun all that yeah. good stuff. So it was. It, it, I liked it how it wasn't just this this existential threat coming to threaten everybody, and you're the only one who could stop it. All that. So it was a solid game, but very uh,
1: a very good game that falls short of being great in ways that are kind of important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think it it kind of it it was per, it was perfect Obsidian game. I've always thought their <laughs> their reputations a tad overrated on the internet. But I, I, I don't go so far as to say they make bad games. I think they make good games. So, mm-hmm. But uh, I played another space game, though a little mm-hmm. more recent. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Okay, before that, let's say, before the movie by James Gunn, 2014, however long ago it was, <laughs> before the movie, did you have any headspace about who the Guardians were? Because I've read Marvel comics basically not my whole life, but a lar- a large portion of my life. And I only tangentially kind of knew about them through the Lego Marvel games.
0: I think I think I'm probably I was probably the same way. I I'd be lying if I said for I for sure knew about them. And it might be one of those things I'm just retroactively thinking in my head that I knew <laughs> about them before twenty fourteen, which I believe is when the movie came out. Hmm. But I probably didn't. That was probably my first exposure to them.
1: So the movies come out, and they give Marvel an uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe an opportunity to do their more weird shit, which they continue to do weird shit to this day. Um, The first movie was really great. Second movie was not as good, but still pretty good. And then uh, they had some time after that. They had a Telltale series game back when the first run of Telltale series games, or was episodic, and they had you know different art style, the same core characters of the five guardians but yeah, had different art styles and obviously different voice acting because you're not going to get the movie stars in the game so I think it was E3 or sometime in 2021 last year when they said hey we were making this game and Square Enix put a lot of money into it and it's like well I didn't even know this was happening first of all um and there was a lot of I don't want to say bad blood but certainly bile on the internet about the Avengers game which my brother and I have talked about in a previous episode uh so when this one comes around, again, with a different art style and different voice cast, you know, we've had at this point a video game series and a movie series and a cartoon series even with the Guardians. So coming into it, what were your expectations before you even
0: played it? I pretty much expected it to be like the movies, just with the, the kind of the same chemistry with the team members and the same kind of humor. Um, I, but obviously I, I I kind of I kind of expected it also be like Telltale, which also takes a lot of inspiration from the movies, but they also mm-hmm. kind of put their own little spin on the characters and try to make them a a, a little more faithful to the comics instead of just being a straight rip off of the of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun. It was it was kind of a. This is kind of a cliche, but it's it's a wild ride. the game is, and it's <laughs> it's very it's one of the most linear, straightforward games I've ever played, but
1: but it goes it goes up and down. There are emotional highs and lows throughout,
0: yes. and I think it bogs down a little bit in the middle. There are certain story elements and plot twists that are I think are a little contrived. and I think, took a little too much just kind of took a little bit too much from a comic book story because comics are all about cliffhangers and (laughs) just sudden story, sudden plot pivots. And I don't and in a video game, it's a different medium so I don't think you you really have to tell your story that way because you don't have to get too dealt with deep into the story, but like, when you first meet the antagonist, uh, Raker, I think his name mm-hmm. is. I can't yes. remember. Father Raker, I can't remember his full title. He's, this is not
1: going to be an episode where we remember things. It's okay.
0: Yeah. he He's just kind of, he's being detained by the Nova Corps and you just, you don't even see him, you just see him like when you're walking around, not even in a cutscene or anything. He's just, just some throwaway character. And then the next thing you know, a couple hours later he's got this huge mining ship and tens if not hundreds of thousands of followers and he's got all this power and you're just thinking okay how did we get from A to B because it (laughs) feels like we just went went over to B and we got to M or O or R or whatever it's just
1: well they it's not explained in that moment but I can explain it like it's later explained in the game that it's like oh hey it's an infinity stone we can just hand wave away any problems they're magic. They
0: don't gotta explain shit. Yeah, they, they they find it on I think in the quarantine zone, and yes. that weird I don't know what you call it the the black disc monster or whatever that was a that was a yes. part of Adam. Or something. Fuzzy snake, yeah, yeah, the yeah the big furry fuzzy snake. So, but other than that, yeah, I think it like I said, the middle just kind of gets down a little bit, but then it. Picks right back up, and I think overall it was it was, uh, but it was a pretty solid story. It was it was hmm. kind of
1: it's an inter- it's an interesting departure um, because the the team that made it is basically the same team that made one of our favorite games of the last generation, uh, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. So it, you know, completely different assets for everything, and doesn't play in any way play the same. But you know, it's nice to see that a team that can make you know a first person. Mostly stealth game, come out with a third-person frenetic action game where you're constantly moving or constantly doing something.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I think I, I thought that. Uh, I think we talked about that a little bit with uh, some other studios like that that have made games that are just completely different from each other. And I think that's a I think that's a sign that those are good studios. They know what they're doing, mm. and you can you may not always like what they come out, but you know they're gonna they're going to work really, really hard on them and make them, they're, they're going to play pretty well. And this one mm-hmm. actually did uh, play very well. When I first, when they first announced this game and they were showing a trailer, I, I, it was probably on a, a, a PlayStation mm-hmm. Access show and they just showed the player controlling Star-Lord and, you know, he's got his little, he's got his pistols and his, his boot jets and all that and they show you can, he, directs all the the guardians and whatnot i was actually a little disappointed because i had played ultimate marvel's ultimate alliance 3 just this past year and that is has a ton of characters that you can play as anybody hmm. and you know that's probably not a not, not a fair comparison to make because they well they okay here's, a, here's a better
1: com- here's another comparison of the avengers game
0: yeah, yeah, that's another one. That's that's probably better. It's it's a similar. It's a third person action beat 'em up, but it's a smaller player roster, that mm-hmm. but you can still play as anybody you want. And the
1: and the in the old I was saying for the Avengers thing of in terms of like you have a team, but you can also control any one of them at any time. For Ultimate Alliance, not for Avengers. In Avengers, you pick one and stick with it until you switch, but. So yeah, when you're like, okay, you control Star Lord and you just order the Guardians to do things, it feels very like, it's like, well, it's an odd choice, but in playing, it works out fine.
0: No, yeah, and there and there are times that I'm kind of glad you can't you can't switch between characters because it gets hectic enough just being Star Lord and just being the commander and directing all the <laughs> other Guardians in in combat. It's. It goes, there
1: is a lot going on every fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those one of those very very rare games where the main character, the one you control, is does pretty good damage. You can do you can you can kill a lot of enemies with Star Lord, but the main bulk of the kills are going to come from the other Guardians and how you synergize their abilities and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know using certain attacks against certain types of any enemies and like building up stagger bars or using aoes and all that so
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're gonna get most you're gonna get most of your kills from your other guardians uh, namely uh, Drax and Drax and rocket it's they it always seemed like they were th- those two had the highest kill counts
1: <laughs> according to their uh, again battle callouts
0: yeah that uh, that there's so much damage there's a lot of dialogue, but there's, there's really, it's almost dialogue. there's almost not enough because it doesn't take long for lines to start repeating in this game. Uh, in it, it also,
1: in the areas where you're walking around, you know, doing exploring or a little minor platforming, they'll have uh, side conversations, you know, as made famous by a Dragon Age team. And you're like, oh, this is an interesting conversation. Whoops, I stepped one step too far. The conversation is suddenly over. We're on to the next thing.
0: Yeah, I, I there was a ton of times where Yeah, the banter just got cut off and I would get I would be pissed because I would be so into it I want to yeah. hear what the rest of what they're talking about. Cause they're usually they got the Guardians have something to say about everything in this game. It's just wherever <laughs> you're walking, hey look, there's a rock. Look, there's water. Oh, don't go there, Rocket. Oh look. Drax is acting like an idiot again. What a surprise. And a lot of it's a, a lot of the banter is really well done, and I think the the voice actors had pretty good chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they really enjoyed what they were doing, and I had some some of them were uh, better than others. I think <laughs> uh, I told I think I talked to you about this, but Star Lord's and Rocket's voices took a little. Took me a little bit to get into. I thought Rocket's voice was a little too deep for just being a tiny raccoon,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Star Lord's voice and personality was just kind of—it was a little too frat boyish. uh I guess compared. I, I guess compared. <laughs> we to said Chris at the beginning Pratt's, of
1: this. I know. We, yeah, we said at the beginning is we didn't. it's not the movie, but you can't help. Your first exposure is the movie. If this were the other way around. You were thinking, oh, man, he doesn't act like he did in the game at all. Because, you know, your first exposure is what you remember. That's, you know, a short-term nostalgia, basically.
0: Yeah, and I, I understand Square Enix's desire to, you know, kind of differentiate themselves from the movies. And that's that's fine. That's good. That's what I would do mm-hmm. as a developer. But I also think it it kind of hurts them because like us a lot of people probably didn't know who the guardians were until the movies and that's their you know that's their only consumption of the guardians and a lot of them aren't going to read the comics so they not may not be some familiar with some author's take on the guardians or some they may have a different background or different powers specifically mantis this might the character <laughs> mantis, this is probably the most annoying version of her I've I've seen in.
1: It, yeah, in the movie, this is only in the second movie, and then you know that later Avengers, she's a kind of nebbish, very shy person. And doesn't speak a heck of a lot, but is mostly there for comedic relief. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But in the video game Guardians of the Galaxy, she's got, she's Valley Girl. She says everything. in you know, your typical 90s Valley Girl would say without saying the word like all the time a chatterbox constantly, and it's like... Okay, for me, she definitely teetered on the edge of annoying. I don't know that I ever hated her, but it's like, whew, I'm glad you're not on our ship.
0: I went back and forth. Uh, I found her annoying, and then I found her slightly amusing, and then she went back to annoying again, and I think she, <laughs> sta- she stayed that way for me for the rest of the game, where she did come back onto the ship. <laughs>
1: yeah, she's there for a while. Yeah, I was way more annoyed by fucking... What's his name? Adam, Adam, not Adam Nova. What's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. I can never remember that last. I always call him Adam Nova. Yeah, I was way more annoyed by Adam Warlock. I wanted to punch that fucker.
0: Yeah, no, he was, he was extremely annoying and arrogant. Which is the which is the point.
1: I guess. But so I, congratulations, you succeeded.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, but. I think the whole thing is it's they create his character to be that annoying so that it's funnier when the guardians give him shit and make fun of him for it, which it was it was amusing, especially when they're making fun of his alliteration tick.
1: Yeah, I wish I could, I'm I could I like quick enough in the brain to do my own, but I, I can't. Uh, you hear us talking all the shit about the dialogue. It's an incredibly emotional game. Like, there's a lot of hilarious bits, but there's also some really I don't want to say dark themes, but like deep stuff. About loss and family and shit, like stuff. The movies kind of goes over, but this game goes hard into. In terms of like grief dealing, just straight up the idea of dealing with losing someone.
0: Yeah, that's another thing. Even though this this game has the Marvels logo on it, it's not like the movies where the movies have to. It's it, it's almost like it's built on their contract that they have to have so many jokes per scene in a Marvels movie... <laughs> Whereas well, it's a two-hour
1: film. We gotta go. This is a 20 hour game.
0: Yeah, and the Marvel movies, the superhero movies, have their have that style. They've kind of built up that reputation of being mostly humorous and lighthearted and whatnot. And this game is very funny and very, very lighthearted and doesn't take itself too seriously in a lot of places. But you're right. There are some there's some really, really heavy moments in this game. Uh I think most notably that stands out to me was when you're when you go on the, the the Church of Universal Truth, whatever they're called, their mining mm-hmm. ship, and you meet the matriarch, and it's actually Nikki, and you get taken to this dream world, and it's Nikki trying to, she's preparing for her mom's birthday, and you're all, in Star-Lord's there, and you're all this one big happy family, and Star-Lord at first buys it, but then you you he, he starts to realize, okay, something's off with this, and and then you get that same, same scene later in the game, and Star Lord from the get-go knows that it's all wrong, and his interactions with with items, things in the Dream World are totally different than the first time around, because hmm. he's just he's berating himself, thinking, "How can I be so stupid to about this the first time? This is not this is not who Nikki or who uh, Corel were, were as people. This no way this would have happened," and he tries to snap Nikki out of it and. Yeah, it's just it. You just you really feel her her sadness and her desperation to get her mom back, and I I, I couldn't help but feel really really bad for her, even though you knew Star Lord was doing the right thing and getting her out of this, oh. and just because she she was just she was just trapped in this this f- forever dreamlike state. And but yeah, that hit heavy.
1: For but, me, frankly, I think the Dra- Drax's stuff hit a little bit harder because. Oh yeah. Let's be re- let's let's be hundred percent real here. This is all fake. These are all video games. It's written by people. But Nikki is like a 12 or 14 year old girl. And when anyone from that age group, regardless of gender, speaks, it's like, shut up kid, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You have no idea. But uh, I guess that's the problem of growing up, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, losing a parent is hard for any, any age. But uh, I think especially for someone that young and in a fantasy universe where it's just like there's there's always some there's an evil entity always willing to take advantage of it and it just makes things even even worse because it's just so it was just incredibly traumatic for her but you're right Drax's stuff was also heavy because you know maybe I'm just a little bit older and even though I don't I don't have a wife and kids or anything like that you know that Drax's Drax's character Obviously, that's, that's a big part of his, his story. It's is basically what, what defines
1: all of his actions.
0: Yeah, and it's what was really interesting about his, his story is throughout the game, you get these little hints that Thanos is dead and that Drax is the one that killed him. But then every time Star-Lord tries to bring it up, he just kind of, Drax kind of dismisses it and just gets this really uncharacteristically you know, serious look and goes quiet and whatnot. And it was kind of fun, you know, interesting exploring that because that's also the other part of his character is vengeance on Thanos for killing his family. Mm -hmm. So I thought they, you know, it was really delved into some uncharted waters, uh, at least for me as someone who doesn't, doesn't consume a lot of guardians uh, content. That was really, really cool to see. I I, re- I liked honest, honestly I really liked a lot of just the banter you'd get when you would find an item out in the out in the game the levels and you go back to the ship and you oh, would sure. look at it and the whoever the guardians room you're in they would come in and start talking about what you picked up and their past and all that and uh, that was all really really good really good and that that also those were the most serious conversations in the game.
2: Oh yeah, some of them.
0: And there was really very, there was a little humor to them, but most of them were just kind of delving into some of the, the darker parts.
1: Two of of them, two of them were like created to be weapons. So there's that. One of them had a family that was taken from him. One is a tree. So you have no idea what the fuck he's feeling. (laughs) And another one was also sort of taken from family. Well, it had family taken, then taken from family. So, there's a lot, they, they, the point of the films also, and the Telltale game, and this game is that, you know, just because they're not all the same bloodline doesn't mean they're not family. They're all, you know, there are a couple of bits, just like in the films, that are like, Rocket just being an asshole for no reason other than to be an asshole, mm-hmm. so we can have them come back together later. And I would just like to skip that part, because yeah. so, I know they're going to fucking get back together later, it's like, we don't need this dumb fight there's so many moments in that game. Uh, I love the game. It's five out of five stars for sure. There's so many moments where Rocket specifically says or does something stupid. I'm like, what are you? There's no reason for you to be doing this other than to be a dick. It's like you get off on being a huge asshole to everyone. That's the only reason to do this.
0: Yeah, it and it it kind of kind of go, goes against his character because he is the smartest smartest of the Guardians. Hmm. I get well, I guess maybe just from a technical standpoint. I I guess. Intelligence doesn't automatically equal emotional maturity or whatnot, because <laughs>
1: it sure, fucking doesn't. <laughs> yeah,
0: because yeah, he will do just just do dumb things almost out of spite just to piss off Star Lord, and yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, like you said, it'd be nice to skip over that stuff, but luckily, it wasn't too bad in this game. Didn't last too long, but it was mm. still there. Um, also another standout of this game. Uh, unsurprisingly, was the soundtrack. I thought they had... A... Yes, they,
1: they, they take a lot of cues from the movies, where it's like, here's the 60s. I think the movie was mostly 60s and 70s soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game Guardians goes all 80s all the time. And there's some real bangers in there and some real fucking garbage.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of wish they had added a, some more 60s and 70s in there. But I think for the most part, it, it is pretty solid top to bottom and I like the way they implemented it in the, the huddle mechanic in the game,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where if those of you listening don't know, it's you know, basically, you, it's this power up in battle that you activate and everybody, it's this special screen. All the guardians come together, huddle up and they'll start talking about the battle. You know, if it's going well or, you know, they're, having their doubts, or they don't think they're going like, to win. It's,
1: it's the key, bet- the difference between we're kicking ass out there, and we're getting our ass kicked out there.
0: Yeah, and uh, you as Star-Lord have to pick between do two dialogue options to pump them up and get them super charged up, and they can you know, make, the, you know, they do more do more damage, and their ability cooldown times are a lot shorter. Yes. And bas- just basically makes the rest of the fight real easy. And when you activate huddle afterwards i think it maybe only if you get it right i never got a, i never got one wrong but uh after the huddle a sound from the the playlist the soundtrack will play usually one of those 80s tunes hmm. uh or a song from the the game specific game created star lord ban which was mostly just kind of 80s 80s metal and weren't bad mm, but it's all
1: it's all power rock yeah
0: yeah, but um, and a lot of them, a lot of the songs that play would play after the huddle were great and they would get you pumped up. But then you get some like, don't worry, be happy would start playing. Yeah, and you just got this whistling guy whistling while, you know, Drax is tearing up the battlefield and rockets exploding everything in sight. It just didn't really didn't really fit with most of the fights. So that was kind of odd. They really should. I got,
1: I got, I got very unlucky. I think, I think in a row for three huddles, I had. This might be the wrong order, but I know I had. Don't worry, be happy. We built this city by starship, and uh, the, the fucking Rickroll song. We're Never gonna give you up was on there.
0: <laughs> That's a good song, but also, yeah, not a fight song. And I got now this this feature did create one of the most memorable moments in the game for me. Where when you're helping out when you're helping out Drax, get over his brainwashing because he misses his family, he you go into his head and you start finding Thanos or the memory of Thanos.
2: Hmm. And
0: after a while, he starts multiplying, and it seems like he's endless. So I, naturally, I activated Huddle and got everybody psyched up and so it' make the fight easier. And the song that played was "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." <laughs> so I'm fighting an army of Thanos, and Wham is playing in the <laughs> background. And oh, I had to I had to pause the game for a second because I was just I was howling. <laughs> that was great timing. It was it was fantastic. It was it was just totally totally serendipitous. It wasn't even scripted or yeah, anything.
1: Yeah, as far as I know, those sound cues are are random.
0: I believe so. It, it feels like it, but uh, I think they do. They, I think they really should have kind of limited the what specific songs play during during battle because, like we said, some are less Ugh, fitting than yeah, others. Some really suck. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I had some bugs during this game. Nothing. I did too. Uh, nothing too bad. The, uh, I, I had one actually. Pertaining to the huddle, where they after their dialogue, it just the uh, the options, the choice, the dialogue options for Star Lord never popped up.
1: Oh, didn't have that.
0: So it was just the yeah, it was just the Guardians just staring there, looking at me at my screen, (laughs) and they did that for two minutes before I restarted the game. So that was that was kind of amusing. Most of them, most of them were kind of funny.
1: Do you remember later in the in that same Drax head? You go to like, well, it's not in Drax head, but on that same planet, you go into like a fog bank, and then one of them, I think Gamora says, "I hear this monster," and Rocket will say, "I hear this monster," and then you pick, and the whole gag is to not pick because it's a hallucination.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like one of the few times in the game where saying nothing is actually beneficial.
1: Yes, and. I don't remember how far along I got into it until I figured it out. I was like, oh, dummy, don't pick anything. It's going to be whatever you say, obviously. I think I was skipping past dialogue at that point, or I'd reload checkpoint. I don't know what happened, but basically nothing happened. No one was talking, and I could run around. You know, I could push people out of the way. I could shoot the guns, but I couldn't progress anything. So I had to reload checkpoint, but it took me all the way from the beginning of those fucking Ks. That was the only really major thing. The other shit is like, nah, I fell off a cliff or uh, I get stuck in scenery. I was like, eh, you know what are you gonna do? It's a modern video game.
0: Yeah, the checkpoints were either really, like, like really really generous, or you'd be playing, you'd have to play like five or six minutes before you get to the point where you had to stop. You had to restart. Yeah. And yeah, I had I had one I had I had another bug I had a bug similar to that where Groot just wasn't talking, ironically. The guy you can't <laughs> understand, he wasn't saying anything. And the only reason I discovered it is everybody in... He he wouldn't say anything when I would activate one of his skills. And other characters would be talking to him. And there would be a pause where his response would be. And then the character would start... Usually Rocket would be talking like yeah, they're having a conversation back and As forth. As if he had
1: translated, yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, I had the very cheesy... When I just finally realized that what was happening, I had the cheesy dad joke in my head that uh, you could say Groot lost his bark. But uh, my favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because he's a tree. See?
2: Mm.
0: My favorite bug, though, was when I was on the. One time I was on the ship about halfway through the game, and for some reason, Drax just started following me around everywhere I went on the ship. <laughs> and at Jeez. first I thought. It was part of the game because I thought, okay, this kind of seems like something Drax would do when he's, <laughs> m- maybe he's trying to get Star-Lord's attention and our something. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, it was funny because when he was, he was, as he was following me, I went into the, I guess it's the engine room. I don't know. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those rooms with the, like the... I don't know, it's the red room with the monitor at the end. Yeah, sure.
1: The thing with nothing
0: in it, basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And Rocket was in there, and Star-Lord was talking to him, and Rocket was just kind of hesitant to say anything, and Star-Lord said, hey, man, don't worry, it's just us in here. Meanwhile, (laughs) Drax is literally an inch behind (laughs) Star-Lord. I recorded a video, I'll have to send it to you, It it was hilarious, but... Other than that, nothing, nothing too bad on the on the bugs, glitches front. But uh, I I would
1: go so far as to call it a great game. We had technical limitations here and there, and the story and the hiccups. You know, it's not perfect. Nothing is, but I had a heck of a time with it. I I really enjoyed every every bit I had. I it was great to play and a great story, and that's what you want from your top tier games.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. Like I said, I I kind of had my kind of had my issues with just some of the the plot conveniences and twist. Uh, one, bl- another blatant one I've, in my head was uh, when, when Mantis shows up with Lady Hellbender at the ice planet, when you're fighting Fing Fang Foom, the, the mm. big dragon. And I'm thinking, okay, last time we saw Mantis, she was back on her home planet trying to, you know, he- you know, help people evacuate. Cause excuse me, the church of universal truth had showed up and they were starting to convert people and, yada yada and I thought okay how did she even how do they even cross paths with each other and i I want to say it might have explained it in game like just some throwaway dialogue but I thought it was really a really flimsy reasoning and yeah it's just that was kind of dumb but at that point I was just kind of I just kind of had to tell myself okay based on a comic book based on a comic book so <laughs> just whatever.
1: Other much for any complaint you have about the MCU or any video game, I will point you to almost a hundred years now of terrible, dumb comics.
0: Mm. No, but but in for a video game based on a comic book, yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was a it was a lot better than I expected it to be. I I, I thought I be will good. go on
1: record as saying it was better than the Avengers game, which I also like.
0: I don't think that's. I don't think you're really putting yourself too far out there making for that me. For that me, play. I <laughs> am.
1: I, I, I defend Avengers all day long. I know. I, I, I can do this all day. I can defend games you don't like.
0: I know. I, I listened to that <laughs> show with your brother, too. I know you liked it, <laughs> and I liked some things about it, too. But, this, yeah, this game definitely was better than that.
1: Way better. Uh, another game we briefly talked about last time we recorded was... I, I was really holding back because you hadn't touched it at all at that point. It was Deathloop, and you finally beat it recently, right?
0: Just a couple of weeks ago.
1: Now I, I said it was my d de- It seems derisive to say default game of the year, but 2021 wasn't like the brightest of roses for a year. there's a lot of really solid stuff, and some stuff is like, who the fuck thought Returnal was the worst game of the year? But that's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff got pushed. What did you think year, of Death so. Loop? <laughs> yes, that's true. What did I think of Death Loop? I, I thought it was fantastic. Yes. I did. I, I think I, I told you this after, right after I beat it. I think it's probably Arcane Studios' best game, and that's saying mm. something.
1: The people who made Prey and uh, Prey and the Dishonored games, yes.
0: Yeah, I really, really love the Dishonored games. I think they're their peak stealth gameplay. But and Prey, I also really enjoyed. I thought there was some really creative things that game did. The way you can. Mm with the powers and interact with the environmental hazards and whatnot but i thought it was just a little you know a little flawed for very various reasons but i thought Deathloop was just kind of the perfect perfect mix of action and gameplay and and just the most probably the most the, the most character development in any of the arcane games as well oh for sure and i
1: I I my theory is that they hired new writers who would never played any of their previous games, where there's barely any talking, because there's a lot of dialogue in Deathloop.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, if they 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 got some other writers in there, because especially with Colt and Juliana's, I guess relationship, if you want to call it,
1: they're the banter between yeah, each other. The yes. the banter.
0: It's it's a it's a big part of the game, and because every time you're going in and out of an area or something major happens in the story, then yeah, she calls you just to be a, a constant nuisance nuisance and she will actually pop up in your game and be a and be an actual physical nuisance. So it always it always felt like yeah, they had a, a a really good rivalry going on, a nice rapport going on that was that was really, really mm-hmm. fun. But uh, yeah I I loved a lot of things about this. I loved. I'm a big sucker for '60s retro. Uh, although this game, I...
1: yeah, the, the 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 aesthetic was very like England in the '60s
0: style. Yeah, he, even though no one's yes. British. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is kind of kind of odd. There even has up. I think Updom might be a district. Yeah, that's yeah, a that's place in England. A a district. So, and. Yeah. But it was kind of funny because the 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 soundtrack reminded me more '70s rock jazz fusion sort of sort of deal. It, obviously,
1: it, <laughs> I won't claim to be an expert. I'm not
0: easy, I'm, I'm not either. And there's obviously there's some over overlap of genres. There's you know, there's a lot of blending in with the uh, different of uh, the the instrumentals and whatnot. But uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. But the soundtrack was so smooth. I, it was fantastic. I, It's one of those... I just... Even the... Just kind of the om, ambient music that would play in the background, I really, really started to enjoy. And mm-hmm. I've actually, actually started... I've, there'd be times where I'll just listen to it when I'm just doing something else. It's really relaxing and smooth, and I love it. And... Very, it reminded me kind of like I was playing a James Bond game at times it was (laughs) it was just it was i felt very cool like i was in one big ad for a cigarette company or something like that and from the 50s well
1: for the most i don't know how you played specifically but you're not supposed to quote unquote play this game very stealthily but you can and i certainly did for most of my playthrough so the whole sneaking thing you know there's a lot of background going around you're going past eternal, you know, the NPCs who are just having inane conversations with each other or whatever. And so you're hearing this music and it's, the aesthetic sort of leans into that James Bond spy. I don't want to say Austin Powersy, but almost.
0: Yeah, I and by James Bond style. I don't mean necessarily that, it, you know, he's an international man of mystery and whatnot. I, I, I kind of <laughs> before I played the game, I had already decided I was just going to be stealthy at certain times, but if shit hit the fan, I was just going to go full balls to the wall. There wasn't going to be any of this mm-hmm. like dishonored or hitman where I'm constantly reloading if one guy spots my shoe or some some shit like that. Well,
1: mostly because you can't.
0: No, yeah, there's there's no actual manual saving or loading in this game, so it was it was made it a lot easier just by taking that decision out of my hand and i I really liked, I really liked that way of playing. It was, it was cool. Just going around hearing the, the enemies, the, just the regular SMOs, the eternalists, I believe they're called just kind of have their own banter going back and forth, which some of it was actually
2: Hmm.
0: pretty amusing. And there's also some pretty enlightening stuff that actually helps you in your, in your quest, your objectives, to take out all the all the leaders oh yeah
1: they'll say hey are you guarding that place over there later no i'm guarding <laughs> over here later oh, yeah. okay
0: yes yeah, so it's all it's all very very like movie stereotypical cliche, like talking <laughs> way too loud to be about sensitive information and whatnot but that's part of it that's a big part of this game is just going around doing recon and collecting information yeah on all your targets and how best to complete your objectives and break the loop
1: as opposed to something like you know for the most part you know dishonored and pray series everything is told to you through pieces of paper you pick up or you know audio dialogues you find there really aren't that many npcs in dishonored or prayer certainly that you're not you know there to kill or you know stun the case may have you so because you're a character that's fully voiced and you're interacting with other characters that have a lot of dialogue and all of your targets are their own character who sometimes have a lot and sometimes you know a very i us say insular but quiet about themselves But as i was trying to say at the beginning is like it's got absolutely the most personality of any arcane game not just in aesthetic but in audio design for sure
0: yeah they uh they hit it out of the park with sound design for sure i Especially, the, I think the guns, I think they all sound fantastic. They, The hand cannon, the four-pounder, sounded like an actual cannon going off. When I first <laughs> shot one, I, I was wearing headsets to max volume, and they just they made my ears hurt. And I went, holy shit, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> there goes that stealth yeah. playthrough.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But everything, everything about the... the concept of the game was leading up to its release was kind of ambiguous because we talked about this the other day when we were playing the show there was a lot of trailers in the months leading up to this game and I think it got delayed a couple times? At least once.
1: I believe it got delayed a full year.
0: That sounds about right and it seemed like there was a trailer playing at every single Playstation show access (laughs) <laughs> and they were all pretty much the same, didn't really give away too much, which it's you know, I that's I like that about trailers. I don't want them showing a whole lot, but when they're when they're playing that many trailers and explaining very little, it kind of I don't want to say put me off the game, but kinda of left me confused on what it was all about. And but they told they tell you the general premise in that you there's mm-hmm. there's an endless loop going it's the same day over and over again in order to break it, you have to kill these eight leaders, these visionaries now which is, yeah, that's true that's basically the main objective of the game, but what the promo material never explained was the world itself, like what kind of, was it a big open world? and that's honestly kind of what I assumed it would be um, yeah, me too And, but it's, it's not, it's actually, it's, it's four big maps that you can go to. There's, you can explore at different times of the day and a lot of things changes them. Some of them feel almost completely different depending on the time of day.
1: So basically because there's four times a day, so it's really like 16 maps, but they're not all like huge. I can only think of like one really big map.
0: No, they they feel big when you're starting off and you're going slow and you're just trying to you're just trying to you know kind of consume as much information as you can and just gather all the intel you possibly can about your targets. But after that, mm-hmm. when you start getting into the rhythm and flow of the game and knowing you know exactly where you need to go, what what you need to do, then yeah, they start feeling a little bit smaller. But they were all the the maps were all very, very well designed. I think they there was. It reminded me of uh, calling back to Deus Ex <coughs> again, of day of that game of a game like that, and like Dishonored, where there's so many points of ingress, and in, and just so many entries oh, yeah. and so many escape points. And I know I didn't discover all of them, even in the 40-50 hours I played this game. And.
1: I had a favorite route at the nighttime one where you go to the party where you go all like you take the longest, most securest route around, but no one sees you. It takes fucking forever to get there, but no one ever spotted me getting there. That was my favorite route.
0: Yeah, and I had my own too. I kind of I I would get into the complex and then kinda of cut across and get into one of the target's room and he there was there's relevant information in there to take him out. And I always, liked, I always liked doing that. Although, even though it was my preferred route, I don't know if it was the best one because I never got in and out of that party without getting caught. <laughs> so maybe I should have done a little <laughs> bit more exploring. But
1: uh, On that instance of something you were saying earlier, it's like, as opposed to, this is the last time I'll mention this, but as opposed to something like Returnal, which is a it's also a time loop, but it's more of a roguelike because the different genre of game, I understand it's not a great comparison. But every time you play Returnal, you know, something different happens. Every time you play Death Loop, the same thing happens every single day. No matter where you go, the NPCs are always gonna be in the same spot. Your targets are always gonna be doing the exact same things at the time you go there. So really the only variable is what you do. And in discovering the influence you can have on later in the day, depending on what you do in the morning, is as more limited than maybe what we expected whether or not we should have expected it from the trailers it's interesting discovering it's like oh all i have to do is move this you know piece of paper over here and something different will happen later in the day the key difference being that you have to move that piece of paper every single day in order to have the thing that happens later happen if i hope that sentence made sense
0: (laughs) yeah and there's a lot of stuff that happens off screen when you discover a uh you know, important piece of info or some way to take mm-hmm. out your target. And it's kind of like one of those things like, okay, you've done this. So you don't, don't worry. You don't have to keep doing this over and over again. In fact, I think the only, only time that you like, there's only when you create the perfect, or you, when you excuse me, you discover the perfect scenario to take out, out all targets, because there is only yes. one, which was also kind of, I don't know, disappointing to me, but it wasn't that big deal.
1: yeah understandably disappointing. I know why they
0: did it. Yeah. Um, but there's really only like two, two things, two minor things that you have to do. You have to sabotage the fireworks, so Frank blows himself up at the party, and then you gotta mess around with Igor's device so that he ends up at the party. But other than that, there's just kind of a lot of th- there's once you discover something or do something the first time, the game says okay. Don't worry, you don't have to do this over again every single time because that just would just be a pain in the ass and bad game design. So, I <laughs> when I when I realized the game was segmented in just four big maps and not just one big overworld map with everything, all these moving parts and whatnot, I was a little disappointed. But when I thought about it afterwards, I understand. I I understood why they couldn't do that because, as far as I know, Arcane hasn't had just one seamless open world game they've all been like this no they've not all yet. been like this they've all just been big detailed maps with just you know, a lot of a lot of places go in and out and all all these different
1: they are very dense maps you know a lot of open world games we get there's nothing there it's big world there's nothing in it you know arcane games have stuff in their yes maps.
0: there's a lot of things in the environment to interact interact with so it does, it, it does really just kind of bog down with a bunch of assets, and it's it's. I I I completely understand why they couldn't make it a big open world game. Well, I don't want to say can't, but I I understand why they chose <laughs> to go this route. And ultimately, yes. it, I think it ended up ended up working, pretty, excuse me, pretty well.
1: It, this isn't like the most ambitious game we've ever discussed on this, but it's fairly ambitious, and I understand. You know, it's like okay, I get why this was delayed and I get why you keep showing trailers and you, I get why you're very hush-hush about the whole thing. You know, in the playing of it, it's like, oh, I understand now why you couldn't tell us all the secrets because we needed to discover those secrets for a reason, on our own, on purpose, in the narrative. Yeah,
0: the, the, the game is pretty much, it's just it's like a big puzzle that you're just trying to put put, put together. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes, sometimes you don't know that the pieces fit together until you put them together. And then you say, "Oh, look, it's a dog." Okay, the dog goes next to yes Oh, a exactly. sailboat that goes in next to the into the water. And if you're like me, there's probably a bunch of other pie- pieces to the puzzle you just didn't use, but you got enough to make the bigger picture. So that's good enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of like gun quests, like getting different guns from the different visionaries, or like that box quest for the radio. Things I I just like I don't want to say ignored, but it was a rental for me at the time. So I was like, well, I kind of need to get back to the main quest here. I
0: think I got most of the most of the legendary guns. Some of them are easy. Some of them, like you, only have to kill a visionary and grab it off their dead body.
1: Yeah, my issue with it, with stuff like that is you can carry two, what, three weapons, and that's it. So I was like, eh, I'm gonna go out of my way for this sort of thing.
0: Yeah, but you can you can infuse those weapons and then keep them for you know forever but the thing is you can't you can't switch between your weapons while you're in the same day you can only you can only change out your loadout at the beginning of a day which I it took me a little bit to understand that and figure that out but once I did it was nice because then I could just if I found a gun I liked I can just throw one I just throw a weapon that I had already infused away and then pick up the new weapon and then my old weapon would still be you know in my in my inventory in the next game be there waiting for exactly. you the next morning yeah, yeah. Uh, although there was one there was one i had i think just one bug in this game uh, besides just the occasional amusing graphical glitch where someone would just go flying off into space or well not into space but there'd be some <laughs> textures pop pop in and out and nothing too too major but One thing was one bug that I had was kind of weird. Was I had a slab upgrade, which is which are your powers in this game, and you can infuse. You get these upgrades by killing the visionaries over and over again, and getting up the getting the power Mm -hmm. ups, and you can infuse them to save them for another day. And there was one time where I did this with a certain upgrade, and I didn't have it the next day. My my power just had no upgrades when I had, when the previous day I had two.
1: You know, I think the same thing happened to me.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, I, I read about it. It sounded like a fairly commonplace bug. And like we just said earlier, you can't manually load in this game. So I just kind of had to keep going and I figured I lost those upgrades, but then I went through that whole game in that whole game day, and then went to the next one, and the upgrades are back, so it kind of fixed itself, and I never, I never had that huh. issue again. It was very strange, but other than that, it was pretty, pretty technically sound game, and it had the classic arcane graphic style art design, kind of the mm-hmm.
1: like not like cartoon people, but pretty close to cartoony people, yeah,
0: kind of. Sort of claymationy, but not, not not like Team Fortress. But that's it's, very weird. It's very hard to yeah, describe. Yeah, it kind of is. It's not cel shaded. It's not pure. Yeah,
1: but but they've all been like like if you look at you know the characters from Dishonored or Prey, the NPCs it's like they all look a certain way, just off, but purposefully off. Like that's the art style that they use. You know the the faces are wider and bigger for more expression. Yeah, no, they.
0: uh Yeah, the style is it's not very it's not extremely detailed, and like all arcane games are, but the art design is so it's so good. I think it it just doesn't matter. They kind of they were able to pull it off. So.
1: I, I don't know if we'll have time for a Nintendo discussion, but a lot of times in modern video game discourse, you see. It's like, oh, graphics above all, and we've been hearing this stupid-ass thing for almost 30 years now. It's like, art design is a huge fucking important thing. It's like, it doesn't matter if this game is gorgeous if there's nothing to look at beyond the gorgeousness of it. It's like, I've played many beautiful, aesthetically ugly games. It's because, you know, they put work into the, the environment. There's the parts of the game that actually matter. No in death no loop, not at any point, can you step on a bush and the bush... Bends dr- <laughs> realistically. That does not happen. I guarantee you that, because the developers didn't fucking waste their time with stupid shit like that.
0: Yeah, that kind of stuff. I, I, uh, it's it's nice, but it's not something I'm going to. I don't know. I may notice it, but it's it, it's going to be one of those things where I just go, huh? Okay, that's neat. It's not not re-
1: Then at that point, it's, it's needless.
0: It's not really going to impact my feelings on the game and whatnot it's just yeah it's just something it's just something that they add in but
1: um well it's the argument with the exclusives because during the development cycle of this game microsoft flat out bought all bethesda properties so this was going to be what still technically is a playstation 5 exclusive npc um we all assume Deathloop is eventually going to come to the Xbox system sometime in 2022, maybe 23, we don't actually know because Sony has been kind of playing fast and loose with these exclusives in terms of how long they're allowed to, be keep, to, to keep. Like the next game from Bethesda, uh, technically from, from Bethesda, is Ghost Rider Tokyo from Tango Gameworks, the people who made The Evil Within series, and that's a PlayStation 5 exclusive for a while, because it is Bethesda and Xbox owns them, we if we assume it will eventually come to Xbox, but we don't actually know.
0: I'm um, uh, yeah, they probably will. I'm guessing uh, they, uh, they. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're always going to. They were always going to be timed exclusives. It's just Sony, whenever the contract expires. I'm sure they won't. Obviously, since Beth- Microsoft owns Bethesda, it's not like Sony will be able to enter a new contract in with Bethesda. So.
1: Yeah, like they did with Final Fantasy 7, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whereas if they just bought Square Enix a long time ago, they would wouldn't have to worry about that. So they just I'm gonna edit my own stuff.
1: <laughs> Fuck the last ten minutes. Uh, Death
0: great game. Yeah, play it. Go ahead. Good stuff. Do you
1: have a PlayStation.
0: Yeah. Or or an or you Xbox on here too. Xbox a only. You're have to wait.
1: If you have a high-end PC, which neither of us have. Man, if we had high-end PCs, the games we could be playing...
0: (laughs) They'd be the same games, they'd just be slightly better looking.
1: (laughs) And run better, let's be real here. And have mods!
0: Yeah, mods are nice.
1: We got time for Yakuza. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I... And I was also... The games I played up and since the last time we did a show... I ended right. up finishing Yakuza Four, even though I started last year, and ended up blowing through Yakuza Five and Six,
1: which amazes me because those are longer than four.
0: Five was, six was. I think I got done in like 33 hours. But hmm.
1: uh, well, you do a lot more side content than I do. For I sure. do,
0: I do, I do quite a few of the sub stories because um, I think they're. All pretty. They're most of them are pretty well done. Pretty funny. That's where a lot of humor of the Yakuza <laughs> series comes from. Yeah.
1: Oh, certainly, certainly. It's a very serious crime game, and the side stories are goofy shit.
0: Yeah, it's always been a uh, always been a fun little balance shifting between those two.
1: Hmm. I'll, I'll look at a sub story like oh, you know, GameFAQs or whatever, and it's like, okay, how long is this going to take? Is this going to be a fetch quest? Am I going to have to win? Can I just punch a guy and be over with? Okay, then I'll do it. But you know, it's like I'm not gonna hundred percent any of these games because they're just too big and there's too much thing. Have you ever hundred percent any of these games?
0: No, because uh, I think that would require a new game plus, and I've never, I haven't done a second playthrough of any of the Yakuza series. Even though I yeah, love I mean they're all yeah,
1: yeah, they're all great. But if you don't know, it's like it's it's unfair to call it Japanese Grand Theft Auto because it isn't. But You know it's the easiest explanation you know you're for all intents and purposes a criminal who's you know for getting out of the life or whatever and then they pull you back in but uh it doesn't play like any western game really because it is a third person brawler you know you got the way you interact with the game is mostly through street fights but you know that's that's not a good enough descriptor i only played the first one because it was on PS Plus. I knew of its existence, and i have been ignoring it my entire life. And the first one, Yakuza Kiwami, was on PS Plus, on PS4. So it was free, and I tried it out, and I was like, wow, this game's fucking amazing. Why have I never tried this before? So, you know, I you know, very quickly got into the rest of the series. Zero, and two, and three, four, and five, and six. Um, and that zombie one I have, but I never actually played. So, and then you were, you know, a little bit ahead of me, a little bit behind me, or whatever, but you've played all the main line. Yakuza games now starring uh, Kiryu Kazama.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I just finished up Kiryu's Saga just earlier today. In fact, I beat Yakuza 6 and mm. The yeah, Song, of, song life. of Life. And the song is very it, bittersweet. sweet. It it's very sweet. The um uh, seems like the la- the latter the Yakuza main series have been have all had themes where mm. Four kind of was kind of about lo- like loyalty because there's a lot of betrayals. Uh, there's a lot of betrayals in most of the Yakuza games, but they really seem just amp it up from four on.
1: Well, it's a plot hook. It's like I thought you were my brother. Huh, I'm not. I did it for all the money, the yen.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost like they need to constantly remind you that yes, Yakuza are criminals, and criminals are inherently selfish. That's why they're criminals.
1: Hmm. Only during one of these games are you actually technically playing someone in the Yakuza at the time.
0: Yeah, even though the game is called Yakuza and Kiryu is a Yakuza, he's the worst Yakuza of all time. Because most of the time he's not breaking the law or doing anything like that. He's just going around beating up people or starting fights with him and helping people with their just inane, inane tasks. And then, and then the other, the <laughs> latter half of the series, he's not even in the clan anymore, and he's just retired. But like you said, he keeps getting pulled back in by shenanigans.
1: Well, like he's he's friends with a lot of morons, <laughs> and like Kira himself is like he's not world wise, but he's not stupid. He's not any idiot by any means. You know, he never does something really stupid, but he's friends with a lot of people who are really stupid. And so they'll do something dumb, and he'll be like, Kiru, please bail me out of this." And he's like, "No, bail this out of yourself." He's like, "Oh fuck, I feel guilty about it. And I guess I'll bail you out of it." Th- there's a there's an endearingness to him. There's a certainly loyalty in Kira. Loyal, is the most loyal dude ever to everyone, even people who've betrayed him. He's loyal to.
0: Yeah, no, he definitely puts a lot of importance on the bonds between friends and family members, even if they're also even if they're not bound by blood which is also kind of a kind of a theme in six where it's all these, all these family bonds, these fathers and sons that are just have these terrible relationships and they all, but they all just kind of get to the point in different, different ways. They all have different things, different secrets they're hiding or different values that they uphold
1: I, I say, I say earlier that everybody's being stupid, but really everyone does things for their own reason, and they are eventually told to you. It's like, you know, even Nijima way back in, is it Nijima? Oh, that's not Nijima. Nikishima. Way back in 1 and 0, the original betrayal, it's like, man, this guy's such a dumbass, but if you look at it from his perspective, it's like he did what he had to do to get to the top of, to get to be the chairman yeah, of the Yakuza. he was,
0: he was a great Yakuza it's, because he broke the law.
1: Yeah. Yes, he was a yeah. hardcore criminal like most of the people yeah, a, to... He
0: was a selfish asshole that's how he was able to advance so far and it's yeah, he does some he does some really shady things with Kiryu not around uh, but it is his fault Kiryu's there to begin with I, man I always wondered because it's really it's it, it's really hard and as an artist with game series and TV series and even no, novels and whatnot you can't really plan for your series to be popular and to have this.
1: You hope but never expect. Yes, yeah,
0: and you can't really plan it that way because all the Yakuza games are—they're pretty insular. They're all very self-contained for the most part. Because there's there are a lot of characters that I've in previous games that I wish were still, you know, in the series. I I like. Nishiki, I kind of wish he would had made it a little farther. Uh, I kind of see why he, you know, they because at that point they were just on two different sides and they couldn't compromise. But but it kind of, I think it kind of hurt them in the later games because then they just had to, I don't know, kind of shoe in these new bad guys who just.
1: Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of power vacuums. Yeah,
0: it's constantly okay. Oh, the. Tojo goes to war with either one of the Yakuza clans or some overseas mafia. And then Kiryu cleans up the mess. And then he promises to support Daigo and Majima says the same thing. But then the next game comes around, something happens to Daigo or Majima or whatever. And then these assholes in the Tojo start messing things up again. And then it's just rinse and repeat after that. And it, it does, it gets, it got very old after a while. And it's, man- <laughs> Yaku's a five. Okay, say what you want about three, but the ba- the main antagonist in that, I think his name was Mine. He was another, you know, he's another just Tojo asshole that you know took advantage of a vacuum and
1: everybody's everybody's just constantly looking for an excuse to go to war. It's like, oh, our patriarch looked the other way. Let's go to war.
0: Right. Yeah yeah say what you will about him he you can kind of you can kind of understand his motivations and see how he made his rise but then you go to yakuza 5 and then they have this stupid twist that this this dumb meathead that you meet and he's this 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 superfluous character that who's the bodyguard of daigo he, he's not even in half the game and then all of a sudden oh he's the main bad guy <laughs> like what the fuck is this it's
1: so it's they pull off that they pull off that early final fantasy trick a lot of the final boss is a guy you've never heard of.
0: Well, well this was almost even worse because this guy you do hear of, but he's not in the game for half of it and the parts he's in it, he's not he's a nobody. He's not an important character at all. <laughs> and then he's like he kills this other character off-screen and that's supposed to be your motivation to kick the shit out of him and bring him back towards the light or something and be a real yakuza you know, one that just goes around fighting all the time and not making money
1: so there's a I don't want to say pervasive idea but if you're on the outside looking in you hear us talk about the Yakuza like we're talking about Grand Theft Auto like all you play is a criminal and it's all glorifying crime it's like it's really not it's showing the consequences for living lives like this it's like if you constantly betray someone at some point you're going to be betrayed you know if you lie and cheat and steal someone's going to lie to you cheat you and steal from you it it is, it seems roundabout because it is. I think I don't know if that's the purpose they're making, or they're just trying to make a fucking video game, and they need an antagonist.
0: Uh, I think it's a little little column A, and column B, because it is, at least in the Kiryu saga, it is seven games, including a prequel, so it's gonna have its its highs and lows, for sure. Hmm. And yeah, I think they do kind of want to they they want to express how shitty <laughs> being a Yakuza is, and How you're just, you're stuck in this underworld with all these other terrible people that'll stab you in the back as soon as, as as soon as look at you. And, but, you know, I always kind of feel like a hypocrite because I, 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 I do love this series and I, I love that, that message they do convey. But I've always kind of hated the Godfather series because it always seemed like it romanticizes that Italian mafia lifestyle. Mm. But I
1: don't it doesn't show enough of the lows like Yakuza series shows a lot of the lows. It's like you do you work for or used to work for some really terrible people who do terrible things. You're like, fuck, you're awful. And Godfather, you never feel like, yeah, they murder people, but eh, they're the good guys. They're the good murderers. It's like the Sopranos. It's the same shit.
0: Yeah. and Yakuza, you don't see any benefit for Kiryu. There's no net game for him whatsoever and hmm. because what money what little money he's able to scrape up is you know either is just something you just gain through gameplay and it's not any, it doesn't add to his personal wealth in the story or he loses it so right. it doesn't matter anyways whereas Godfather you just you know see them in their multi-million dollar mansions with the throwing these lavish parties and whatnot but you know occasionally you know, might wake, wake up next to a horse's head but it's no big deal so I think in that regard I think yakuza yeah conveys the just just how terrible that just being in that lifestyle is and I've always god I I, I need to I want to look up if there's a documentary or interview with an actual yakuza who's played a little you know played some of the game and just kind of see their reactions I'm sure yeah on what they you know if it's really like that or what they think of it i
1: I mean there is a sort of I don't want to seem vaguely racist about this sort of thing but it's a uniquely Japanese thing you know it's it's there is a lot of honor code embedded into it you know even to the whole you know if you you know commit a sin in the family so to speak you know you have to cut off your pinky it's like well what the fuck does that mean oh because when Japanese people used to have swords all the time thing for balancing was your pinky, and now you can't hold the sword anymore, so this is dishonorable to you. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, it's, you know, when the game takes place at 20-fucking-15, who uses swords? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, except in this game when they, you know, random guy on the street pop up with one. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was... Well, in gameplay, yes, yeah, but... Yes. Yeah, it was meant to be a the ultimate sacrifice and dishonor for a warrior, and to basically pronounce to the world that they, they are no longer a fighter. They're, they are no longer samurai or what have you. It is... <laughs> and so I don't sound vaguely racist because I am just an outsider looking in and of my years of anime and video game, video game consumption, I like to think I have learned a little something about Japanese culture. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but... Yakuza does, they do seem kind of like an institution. They're kind of sort of, uh, mm. maybe not a necessary evil, but an accepted one, if you will, over in that society. Because even in game, even in the games, you kind of get that sense where there's, obviously, they're not friends with the police or anything like that. But there's a sort of mutual respect or at least an understanding between those the two entities.
1: Well, a, a large part of it is something that the games don't really cover. And I realize, again, this is another thing, but gameplay versus real life. But there are a lot less guns in Japan than there are in America. So by virtue of that, there's a lot less gun crime. So the kind of crime, you know, even though criminals are all the same all over the world, the kind of crime in Japan isn't the same as the kind of crime in the U.S.
0: Yeah, there's a lot fewer chances of escalation over there. Uh... Yeah. But it's yeah, you know, not like people don't get murdered over there, and and, and I mean, they're it's still, still bad, but and you they're know, still criminals. You know. They're gonna find they're gonna find <laughs> firearms, whether they have to ship them in overseas or, or what. They're still gonna find some way to subvert the law and all that. But I think also another uh, another way there, another reason why there's kind of a I don't I'm trying to find a better word than understanding between police and yakuza, but is because. The Japanese, they are, they're very enclosed society, and they're very proud, mm-hmm. and if there's any outside influence, like, say, an overseas gang from mainland Asia, then even the Yakuza will step up and defend their home and their territory and whatnot, so that maybe that garners a little bit respect in kind of the public eye, or, you know, makes them a... Tolerated a little bit more. I don't know. It's just we're just kind of going off the cuff well, here. I, all this. I think it
1: is fair to say for <laughs> I think it is fair to say for both of us that we have a much I don't know of appreciation, but certainly deeper understanding of Japanese life. Like there's no other games like the Yakuza series that you could play. You can play whatever Otame, you know, visual novel. You can play a lot of, you know, Senran Kagura boob games, whatever. But you don't understand the day to day life of a Japanese citizen until you play something like Yakuza where you're dealing with a different country's culture i've I've never experienced a series that exposes me like this even other japanese studios is like well we're making this for a western audience yakuza isn't for a western audience it's just translated for a western audience
0: no yeah and then and it's still japanese and english it's 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 pretty much impossible to do a a one-to-one conversion translation ratio there's there's going to be a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of phrases Nuance. and nuances in the Japanese language that just don't translate well to English. And even my uh, extremely, extremely limited uh, knowledge of the language, I, even I can pick up sometimes where the Japanese voice actor is saying one thing where it may, it may be the same word, but it may be totally different just based on the context of the conversation. And whatnot, so it's, yeah, it's almost like a, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if they would describe it as such, but it's almost like a slice of life sort of sort of deal, because like you said, you do learn a lot, a lot about just kind of the the day-to-day Japanese lifestyle that you would mm-hmm. not, maybe wouldn't get from the anime games.
1: <laughs> well, if you want to learn what it's like to be a Japanese high schooler, you can play the Persona series. If you want to learn what it's like to be a Japanese adult, you play the Acquis. That's, that's a
0: good way to put it. yeah.
1: Both published by Sega. What do you know? A Japanese yeah, company.
0: Yeah. It uh, and I'm really glad. I, I'm really glad I got into it as well. I yeah, I, absolutely. I really ended up really enjoying Kiryu Saga, and I'm I'm glad they're you know finally going away because I think it was time. I love them.
1: Seven games and plus a zombie exactly. game. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But I'm also uh, I'm. I'm still glad that they're gonna stay stay in Camarocho with the new this like a, like a dragon the new RPG style game.
1: Oh, uh, it's actually, in like a dragon, year in Yokohama.
0: Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. All right.
1: Well, yep. You spend most of the game there. It's it's like four and five where you go back and forth mm-hmm. eventually. Oh,
0: okay. I see. Yeah. Well, there's also there's also Judgment too, which I think.
1: Yes, there have been in fact two spin spin-offs from this series, the Judgment series, which is uh, two games now and. That's where they're going to keep allegedly the brawling style if you get into a street yeah. fight every two minutes. And they want to split off into an RPG style. And what I've been playing this week is Yakuza Like a Dragon, which was at the for a while called Yakuza 7 Like a Dragon, and then they just dropped the 7. Because they it has really has nothing to do with it other than it takes place in the same country with the same... You know, the Tojo Clan, the Omi Alliance is still a thing. You just don't have any interaction with anyone from any of the previous games. The yeah. same for Judgment.
0: No, and i you know, like I said, I'm glad they're still staying in that uh, mo- that modern day Japan, and they're but they're also trying something new with uh, this RPG RPG yes. mechanics, and even with uh, even with Judgment, even though it's still a brawler beat em up like like Yakuza, uh, Yagami plays completely different to Kirio, and you know, they also add a lot more different interactions and mini games and side quests and that. So yeah.
1: Now. All those good things being said, there's some shit in these games I just cannot tolerate. Like management. <laughs> there's so many mini game forced mini game management. Oh no, Kiru has to manage a cabaret club. Oh no, for some ass reason, Yagami has to manage a cabaret club. Oh no, I, I, what's his fucking name? The guy with the mauve suit has to manage a cabaret club. Oop, we gotta check the finances. Oh, well, let's play the real estate game. Oh, kart racing, <laughs> shogi. <laughs> There's so much fucking mini games. It's I was like, oh my god, I just want to get back to they the love, game, please. They love their
0: mini games. There's and so I, much. I like them for the most part, but I, 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 I just dip my toes in for the most part. For and uh, I don't really. It depends on kind of how I'm feeling. It's funny because in when I was playing, <laughs> Koami two which also goes off the same engine as six. And I think the, any of the, the more recent games, the in two, in that game too, I ended up doing the cabaret club storyline the whole way. And I just completely ignored the clan creator content. Whereas in six, <laughs> I did all the clan creator content, but didn't go to the cabaret clubs. <laughs> so, but it doesn't have the six doesn't have the management, the, Club management mini game. You
1: just it well, they brought back a hey, man I don't remember which one it is. I don't remember if it's in I don't remember if it's in five or one of the previous ones. where there's ones where you own a business and you have to like make sure your business is this is in like a dragon. and you manage the business and hire people and fire people and like give shareholder meetings. It's like, what the hell is this? This is really <laughs> a fucking video game. Why am I giving shareholders meetings? Later on in this game, I will, in fact, go down into a dungeon and beat a man near death with a baseball bat.
0: (laughs) It's great. I can't wait. I just, I... (laughs) It
1: is, is not to big it up too much, because I know you just finished 6, but Like a Dragon is really good. I was, I can't say it's, because I haven't finished it yet. I'm almost halfway. Switching to an RPG was the best thing they ever did. Now, you get in the same amount of fights. The fights take just as long but just the idea that it's a different kind of game. It's changed genres. You know, it's a turn-based Dragon Quest-style RPG, and I love turn-based RPGs. That's literally my favorite kind of RPG of the two kinds that there are.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I probably won't play it right away. I think I'm, i am like I said, I, I blew through 4, 5, and 6, so I'm—that's that's hundreds of hours of Yakuza content that I'm, I think <laughs> I'm just going to need a little breather. I need a break yes. from the Japanese lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to it, that's for sure.
1: I had more planned, but, you know, we I don't want to go too long. Not because uh, it's difficult to listen to, because it's difficult for me to edit, and that's the real reason I want to keep these shorter,
0: but eh, what are yeah, you going to do? That's why I spaced these episodes out so far. I'm doing you a favor, Loki. <laughs> what? You did, How many times have I said you that to that? You?
1: <laughs> How many times have I said, I'm doing you a favor when I'm not really doing you yeah, a favor? Yeah, well,
0: it's... I, thought it was a good chance to kind of turn that turn your words around on you
1: how dare you use what I said against me <laughs> I've
0: been doing it to my parents for all my for all my life when I was growing up
1: Uh, thank you so much for listening yes thank you uh, Sissy thanks once again for cool. being on
0: thank you for having me on
1: we'll see you again next month when you play like five more games in a row <laughs>
0: yeah it may be that may not be that long who knows but we'll see you
1: uh you could find you could find me on the Twitterverse at LoogieJerson. Uh the website is www.internetsworst.com I'm on iTunes and Spotify. And probably Stitcher. I don't know how Stitcher works, but we're probably there. Thank you for listening. Yes. Goodbye.
0: See ya.